listening to the Film Drunk Frogcast coming at you, not live, from the Zoom quarters, sitting across my laptop from me. I got the irregular regular, Mr. Matt Lieb. You already lumb me over inside my butt. What's up, everyone? It's me. Uh-huh. I thought you were going to keep going with that one. I liked that one. Yeah, I realize that I've been doing this thing where I've been doing the whole song. And don't and be surprised if I lumb butt over the feet. Yeah, that's Something like a, that. I don't know. Yeah, you can kind of just keep going. But I realize, yeah. like, people get it at the first couple. I guess I'm just a sucker for Alanis when it comes down to it. And so... We're all you, suckers for, uh, you know, uh, what, what's her name? Alanis Morissette. Alanis. I yeah. thought you said Atlantis. Well, that too. I love underwater cities. Underwater cities are dope, dude. But I also Aquaman. like Canadian uh, girl pop singers, especially just Alanis though, really. You know, that that uh, Jagged Little Pill, um, big hit record of the time. Oh, it was. It was. Oh, people loved it. Good record. I'll say it. Say it. It's a good record. It sure is. Um, yeah, happy to be here, Vince. <laughs> You're happy to be here. That's great. Um, you know, we got a lot of talk about, lot to talk about this. A week. lot of Taco Bell, dude. We got a, we lot, got of a ta- lot of Taco Bell. We got Chalupa Supremes. We got uh, one of those uh, chicken quesadillas. Um, we got what else? Is, uh, regular Supremes. <laughs> Why am what? I blanking on the Taco Bell menu? It's my they favorite got, fast food restaurant. Oh, they got uh, the AM Crunchwrap. That's the one I like. I'm an AM Crunchwrap stand. Yeah, they got Baja Blast, which is, uh, you know, that's like a Mountain Dew uh, uh, yeah. exclusive Mountain Dew drink specifically so, for Taco Bell. Is it like a Mexican Mountain Dew flavor? Is that the deal? I don't know. Uh, I fucked with it once and uh, never again. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't remember what it tasted like other than bad. Yeah, like I I feel like sodas are kind of like cigarette brands in that you're trying to pick mm. the soda that uh, advertises the person that you want to be. You know, like with right. cigarettes, yes. it's like, I'm a cowboy, so I smoke Marlboro, or yeah. I wear a motorcycle jacket, that's why I smoke camels, or whatever. Yeah, And I feel yeah, like yeah. soft drinks are like that, and it seems yeah, silly. I, I, I'm a cool guy, that's why I smoke cools. Yeah. That's what I used to do. <laughs> yeah. But, I was like, cool. I, I've always said cigarettes are cool. And then I started smoking menthols for years. <laughs> oh, man. They're good. Yeah, it was bad. Um, but yeah. And, but And so I realized that Mountain Dew is not advertised uh, at my demographic. And I, no. And I want to think that doesn't influence my uh, opinion of the soda, which I think actually tastes bad. Like, I think I want to believe that I don't like yeah, it because it legit. tastes bad. But I don't know if it's... it's- it- yeah, it's it's legit not a tasty soda. Um, but I think yeah, if you grow up somewhere, you know, at a specific time when Mountain Dew seems like the coolest soft drink, you know, I could see you loving it just because it's, you know it's grandfathered in. Like you yeah. drank it as a kid, you drink it now. It's right. my thing with uh, you know skim milk. Yeah, you like it? You're I a skim s- milk guy. I love skim milk. Ugh. People tell me that's gross, and I'm like, it's my favorite milk. I like it because it's it's so watery. <laughs> yeah, I like a watery milk. Sure. I don't like a thick milk. Sure, no, I get it. I mean, when I, milk is too milky, it's gross. Sure, I feel like the, uh, Mountain Dew should do a thing to make it easier to use as a spitter because I feel like that's I feel like, like a spitter. What yeah, do you mean? like a dip, like your dip spitter. Like I feel oh. like it's the most commonly used yes. uh, thing Dip to spit spittoon. tobacco. Yeah, it's a it's a spittoon. Yeah, it should yeah. have a spittoon. It should just be a spittoon shaped bottle. 
That's true. It is definitely like a thing where there's probably been uh, as much Mountain Dew in Mountain Dew bottles as there has been human spit. Sure. You know? Yeah. 50-50. 50-50. So uh, I don't know if we got the space docket on the record at the beginning. No, we haven't. What's on the space docket? Uh, we were going to talk about that old, that dang old Eurovision movie on the Netflix. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know you're all watching the Netflix out there. And then oh, yeah. we got a couple of these emails. Uh, and uh, we got an email that was the Tales from NPR, and we hadn't done one of those in a while, and I wanted to. Do, oh yes, I wanted to do one of those. It's going to be a very exciting episode of the broadcast, and I'm so glad that you have stuck around this far to listen to it. You yeah. Know? Well, you got to give them a teaser. You got to keep give them a reason to keep hanging on. You know. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there are people who listen to this and they're you know they they get ten minutes in and they go like I don't even know what the subject matter is. <laughs> Yeah. And then they, they turn it off because I can't imagine there's many. This podcast is terrible. This is yeah, not what I, I signed up for. I signed up for people to tell me exactly what we're going to hear about movies. Yeah. Well, we and got some movies, but first we got a Tales from NPR. Uh, this comes from a uh, listener, Stephen, uh, and he's complaining about uh, Radiolab which oh god yes which is a podcast that i started listening to when it came out because like i heard yes. it was good i think they got a yep. genius grant and uh and they do the thing where they just like edit in like annoying sounds oh i, oh, for, I fucking hate it because I fucking art like they, hate it. they edit in weird like um what do you call it like static sound effects yeah, it's glitchy. It's got this like kind of like glitch shit to it where uh and and it's all summed up in that intro. I, I, yeah. I can't even get past the intro where they're like W and what is saying. It's like fuck you. Yeah, it's like I don't ma- know why that makes me mad. <laughs> it makes me mad too because you know it why? It makes me so mad. It makes me mad because like the whole reason I enjoyed podcasts at the beginning uh was sort of like that it was radio without the artifice. It was just yes. people talking. It wasn't uh, you know, people doing like their their cool guy radio voice and doing ad yeah, reads yeah. every five seconds and just sounding like radio in general, where it was mostly artifice. And right, you know, every every interview on the real radio used to be like a minute or two long, and uh, and podcasts were kind of like, hey, look, it's just people talking. And right. I was like, I like that people talking yeah. regular and then yeah, just and, and regular folks too, not people who, you know, went to broadcasting school or anything like that. Uh, just uh, the people, yeah. you know, people. Yeah. Then stuff like Radio Lab came out and it was kind of like, isn't it cool? They're making podcasts sound like old timey radio. And well, the, the, the annoying thing about it is like it, it's not like it started with there was like a slow descent. You know, yeah. that's the thing. Like this American life has been around way before podcasting. And yeah. uh, it was kind of NPR podcasts were in a kind of a league of their own a little bit. Yeah, you know, before yeah I guess they it were, is technically they, radio before it was podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it was radio. And so you listen to this American life and you go, yeah, there's the artifices there, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's design, there's production and whatnot. And then podcasting came out, just a bunch of bros talking. And then people said like, I want this, but I kind of want a little bit more. So you get your reply alls and stuff. And that's a great show. I enjoy it. Yeah. And then 
as people started doing more and more production, they just went back to being fucking terribly bloated shows. And Radiolab is the worst of them. And I don't even think the content's bad. I just no, can't stand the editing No, I actually like the style. content a lot of the time. And then I get yeah. pissed off because when they can't just do an interview, they got to like chop it up so you can tell that they're editing it. And you're like, I don't, yeah. why? Why did we need to do this? everyone's so fucking twee too it's like it's this disgusting kind of like i don't know it feels like uh everyone's you know got a very nice apartment um (laughs) and i don't know i don't know why i think it just feels like everyone feels like they're very much a teacher's pet yes i don't really know how to describe it other than that like everybody feels like they're trying really hard to please the teacher at all times i just don't like it um, I also am not into uh, the the hosts. Yeah. I mean, it is a generalization. I like some shows on there, but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, listener Steven uh, sent us this email about a infuriating Radiolab sequ- uh, uh, excerpt. And I won't play the okay. whole thing, but in his email, uh, to add some context, the subject of the interviewee's book is a dead former president of Stanford whose life after his family died was dedicated to cataloging for taxonomical purposes a sixth of all extant species of fish. Normal stuff, you know. Uh, The title, (laughs) Why Fish Don't Exist, is her realization that the common term fish has no exact scientific meaning for things that... has no exact scientific meaning for things that live in water. Uh, So basically... Yeah, which, I don't know, fine. Hell yeah! I'm I'm half on board with the topic. Sounds fine. But, uh, and then... We get into this anecdote. So I didn't play the whole part, but I'm going to play this last anecdote with her her kid. Bad for me. Like, they're just, okay. So, like, I've been in this hole thinking about the danger of this word fish. Uh-huh. And, and so two nights ago, I was in the bath with my kid, dude, who's a year and a half years old. I'm sorry. Stop. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Is the kid's fucking name dude? Apparently, like, according to the transcript, it's Jude, but it very much sounds like she oh. says dude. Oh, my God. I thought she named her kid dude, and I was going to fucking hang myself in my one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> She's also doing... It's a studio, but whatever. I don't know how to describe it, but it's the most infuriating thing that people do. Uh, it's It's like what Rachel Maddow does, where... Like she knows where she's going in this story, but she slows it down to like a crawl. And then it makes it sound like she's about to cry or that she's about to deliver some earth shattering news or something. Yeah. I mean, there's also Rachel Maddow is a a special kind of uh, monster when it comes to that kind of shit. Every show she has, it's going to be about some weird thing Trump did. Yeah. uh, And she'll go... The French Revolution. That's how she'll start. She'll just start, and you're like, well, yeah. do we have to go all the way back? Yeah. It's like the adaptation where he goes all the way back to the beginning. He's, all right, yeah. open on the Big Bang. Yeah, right. I just can't fucking stand it. Yeah, I have to be in another room when Rachel Maddow, if it's on, like I, I either have to turn it on, off or go to another room. It's like sometimes I'm I'm in the mood for it. Sometimes I'm ooh. in the mood just to hear about all the terrible shit and oh, no. uh you know and have it come from that perspective. But uh most of the time I'm like, ugh. It's her and Hannity. Like if they're on, I just I have a I have a freak out. Like if Hannity's on, I will start punching the TV because I want to beat him up so bad. <laughs> like I'm yeah. desperate to punch his face. Uh anyway. Ugh, I know. Here's uh here's some more of that. There's a little cardboard like like a little drawing of a fish by the door of our bathroom 
and my wife came in to say hi. Like we were splitting up days. My wife. Okay. And she's working in the morning, you know, like anyway. So she she says hi and and he looks up. He he smiles at her. She gets the smile I never get. Um and then <laughs> and then he looks to the left and he just goes, Yeesh. And she and she was like, fish? And he was like, Yeesh. And he said fish for the first time. So he doesn't have that many words. Like this, I'm I was trying to count it out. I think it's his eleventh word. Isn't it crazy that my child made a sound that sounded like the subject of my book? Amazing. If you ever I mean, it just if you ever have it reminds me of when I was a kid and I used to watch grown-ups talk and I used to be like, how do they live with such boring content? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's because, like, all I wanted to talk about, like, spaceships, you yeah, know? Yeah. But, like, but the, uh, I, it was almost in reaction to the fact that adults are just like, you know, fish don't exist. And I, I would just be like, oh, I'm done. And then walk away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's well, shit the, like that the part I makes didn't me play, feel like a child. The part I didn't play before this anecdote was her talking about how this has been, like, her subject for a year and it explains like all the problems with uh existence and she keeps cornering people at parties and they all like want they all immediately run away because they hate it so much because they should as yeah. they should <laughs> yeah as they fucking should i feel like that's the problem with radio labs it, it, it pins merit badges on people who have not earned anything you know, it's just like, you know, you did a good job doing a subject that no one gives a shit about. Why don't yeah. you tell a million people? No. Let it die. <laughs> yeah. Take it as like a uh, a bad omen. When yeah. when you have an idea that you think is worth a book and no one even wants to have a uh, conversation about it over cheese, maybe yeah. that's a bad idea. Oh, my God. Ugh, who cares? Who cares? And that should be the fall from innocent. Like, that should be... <laughs> what? Like, and, the, and with... And there is... <laughs> Yeah, Varys, he ejected from the Garden of Eden. I literally just spent 10 years trying to show people the path back into. Like, let go of fish, you get the goodies. And then he says it, and that should be like, I watched my son shoot his innocence dead, like, with this word. Like, that should be- The fuck are you talking about? From Grace in real time. But instead, I was just so proud. Like, Aww. it was so cool. Like, he was so sweet and- and he's got it. Like he, then I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. Like, oh, oh my God. It's just, <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I'm telling you we deserve Corona. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just like, you're, I can't handle people enjoying things that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> or saying that we can't enjoy. Did you see the thread? By the girl who uh, was mad at people. Did you, did you first of all? Did you see? What's the th did what you thread? see the video of the girl who's trying to find the uh, the the nozzle, the the gas tank? Oh yeah, yes, and she, yes. And she drives it's around wonderful. like three or four times, and she always parks with the 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 pumps on the left, even though her pump is on the right. Right. Yeah. It's incredible because yeah. it's like it's a wonderful video. Yeah. The, the fact that they were able to fully capture that moment is uh is amazing it reminds me of there was a time when i was studying in australia and we we all had like landlines still and we had like mm -hmm. it was like a hotel 
but you had like an answering machine. So you could, you know, you set your outgoing message and people would call and leave you messages on your little answering sure. machine. And sure, this sure. girl wanted to change her outgoing message. So she changed her outgoing message and then she was like, I want to hear what it sounds like. So she went to someone else's room to call her own phone. And, uh, and then she, so she did that and then she, she was like, oh shit, my phone's ringing and then ran in back to her wow. own room and she did that wow. twice. But even, wow. that, <laughs> but even that seems less dumb than, uh, driving to the wrong side of, uh, where your gas pump is like three or four times in a row. No, that's, e- that's equally as dumb. It's equally as dumb because I could, there's, uh, there's a form of dyslexia apparently of not being able to tell left from right. And oh, really? so I, yeah, so I'm, I'm. I'm willing to look at someone like that and go like you're disabled. Sure, you know? sure, but uh, but uh, then of course, then there's immediately like a thread about oh no. like how we oh can't no. laugh at it because we're doxing her because her, uh, you know, you can see her like uh, license, license plate. plate and it's ableist to laugh at her and it's like, oh my good. I God. mean, at a certain level, everything's ableist. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. If you're being a dumbass, you're probably disabled. Yeah. No, that's the thing. Is is uh, just as soon as if as soon as medical science uh, comes up with a word for you, I guess we're not allowed to laugh. Yeah, anymore. there's like I mean, like I said, it's a form of dyslexia to not know left from right. But it's one of those forms. It's one of those like forms of dyslexia that I think is not going to uh, horribly impede your life beyond just kind of uh, it being a nuisance when you yeah. can't tell which side the pump is on. Um, but like, the idea I'm, that it's ableist, I'm, in fact, it is ableist to immediately be like, she must be retarded. That's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, to, to call it ableist is, uh, it, it seems to me would completely, I don't know, discount people with disabilities. Right. Or, or it's like, you know, it's insulting to people with disabilities do and want, I could be wrong. Do you want to hear? I, well, it's it's like I'm colorblind, you know, and uh, if somebody, if yeah. I do some dumb colorblind shit, like go ahead and laugh at it. Like it's not yeah. like you're. Well, everyone's got problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, <come laughs> I don't know. Not everything I'm is def, a disability. I'm deaf in one, yeah, they, I'm deaf in one ear and, uh, you know, Francesca uh, will make fun of it and it's cute and we have a good time. Yeah. You know, I love being bullied. <laughs> is that after mama's mean juice after mama's mean juice she calls me deaf boy and she slaps me in the face <laughs> no is she, she the reason that you're deaf in one ear because she, yeah, she keeps she stabbed me in the ear for fun <laughs> oh man uh yeah uh i i should have known when i saw that video that there was going to be um a counter thread because there's this moment, like I think I talked about before, uh, where if something goes too viral, it's automatically problematic. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, how will this be <laughs> how will milkshake duck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, like it will definitely be milkshake duck, but I don't know how. And I thought maybe the doxing angle, and I also thought maybe the um you know uh ableist angle but i kind of was like yeah it'll be something more creative but apparently i was wrong about that hey so did you want to read um there's an excerpt from that book that she read at the top of the episode from the what fi- book from, from oh, the her fi- fish book from the fish book 
I mean, yeah, dude, let's hear it. Okay. Let's hear about this book. Okay. Picture the person you love the most. Picture mm. them sitting on the couch, eating cereal, ranting about something totally charming. Like how it bothers them when people sign their emails with a single initial instead of just taking those four extra keystrokes to finish the job. Chaos. Well, some people's names are longer. (laughs) Chaos will get them. Chaos will crack them from the outside with a falling branch or a speeding car, a bullet, or unravel them from the inside with the mutiny of their very own cells. Chaos. What is your chaos? Chaos will rot your plants and kill your dog and rust your bike. It will decay your most precious memories, topple your favorite cities, wreck any sanctuary you can ever build. If it's not if, it's when. Chaos is the only sure thing in this world. The master what is she, that the rules fucking us Joker? All. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is she talking about? Some people just want to see the world fish. <laughs> uh, the master that rules us all. My scientist father taught me early that there is no escaping the second law of thermodynamics. Entropy Can is I just only- say real quick, um, my dad, before I was born, was a scientist, and I've never once uttered the phrase, my scientist father. Go on. <laughs> yeah, but did he? Was, was he a professor at Stanford? No, I don't think he was. Yeah. He quit and, and he opened a sandwich shop. Yeah. Well, good for him. <laughs> yeah. My scientist, uh, entropy is, is only growing. It can never be diminished no matter what we do. A smart human accepts this truth. A smart human does not try to fight it. But one spring day in 1906, a tall American man with a walrus mustache dared to challenge our master. Go on. That's who? It. That's uh, yeah, it's the right, guy who started uh, the, the first cataloging guy, the first, fish. The first guy who said fish. The first guy who said fish. <laughs> fucked up. Fucked up your life. Maybe your life's not worth anything. I'm sorry. Apparently, not- th- this person is like the uh, the the co-founder of the Invisibilia podcast, and that was the one where I listened to one episode and I was like, this sounds kind of interesting because it was about. It was about like a blind guy who had learned to uh, see stuff using echolocation like a dolphin. Okay. Which, you know, kind of a cool subject. I'm into that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm NPR adjacent at least. Uh, And then at one point, um, she was like, can you say it? Can you repeat that again? And he was like, you don't need eyes to see. And she's like, okay, but can you... Can you shout it? And then she like made him shout, you don't need eyes to see. Like it was this kill profound. Me. <laughs> Fucking kill me. Like it was this Holy profound shit. realization. Uh, yeah. It's they just, somehow turned everything into a kitten poster. So they're like, all theater people. <laughs> it's, it really is. It's just like everything is so goddamn dramatic. Oh, fuck. Can I get my blood pressure going? Because I, I just, I just, you know what it is? You ever opened up a catalog and seen people just drinking coffee? You know, <laughs> like that's all their happy. life. Like all happy, all happy. They're just. You ever seen like uh, in a in a magazine just a woman eating yogurt in her breakfast nook? Uh huh. This yep. is them, but being this super is, happy about it. Yeah, no, they're they're stoked. And the worst part is they're not even just like they're not like a kid drinking a Mountain Dew stoked. They're just like. Wow, that's the feeling. And it's like, <laughs> I'm so happy that the minutia of the earth is what grabs your attention and makes you happy. But the rest of us are trying to live. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I had that realization when I went to college. Like there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, teacher's pets that had finally found their people and they were just so happy about it. 
and yeah. uh, and then I felt like an alien a little bit. I mean, good for people finding your people. That's great. I yeah. don't know. Everyone's got to fit in somewhere. I think the worst part is is um, just the in the podcast market. Uh, so much of the listenership is dedicated to this kind of podcast. And it's like, it just blows my mind because every time I turn on NPR, you know, and it's not just the news, uh, which is also I have a problem with too. Um, but when it's a bunch of people uh, together laughing at a funny scientist, I just want to <laughs> fucking die. He's not going to give you a grade. You don't get anything from pretending to enjoy this. And I have to assume they're pretending. Because yeah. I enjoy, well, I I enjoy lots of things. I think that's what bothers me about it. It feels very much like in, like artifice. Like yeah. you're, you're, you've created this character of the ultra-sensitive... Um, like the ultra-sensitive, empathetic person who's fast, fascinated by bugs and tree bark and shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's also... And I think in the back of my mind, part of me is like, I think you enjoy this because this is all you will let yourself enjoy. Right. Yeah. Because, because you, you know, limited- if you, made, you know, if you made a fart joke in front of them, they would like sh- they, they would shun you. And yeah. And these are the type of people who it only takes a funny scientist making a fart joke to be like, we can laugh at that. You could always <laughs> laugh at that. Yeah. That's been OK. Yeah. It's like the inherent but- repression in it. Yeah, there's yeah, exactly, exactly. There's so much repression in enjoying a funny scientist. And I just, I just can't. It's like I, watching I someone stifle a sneeze for 30 minutes. Yes, yes. And and they live like that year round. Yeah. Did you see that Garrison Keillor post? No, what happened now? He's, <laughs> didn't he, uh, was, didn't he get me too'd? He got me too'd, um, but. I yeah the post is is not about him getting me to let me let me see if I can find it uh oh here I found it I found it I don't know if this is real because there's no check mark next to his name um but uh he, here's here's the post um it's it's astonishing that 50 years of hard work can oh no i'm sorry that's him <laughs> that's him being me too uh, <laughs> that, that that's him being me too my bad um that yeah uh, well let me finish that one can be trashed in the morning by an accusation i've always believed in hard work and now it feels sort of meaningless only a friend can hurt you this badly I think I have to leave the country. <laughs> oh man, I'm getting sad now. In order to walk around in public and not feel accusing glances. Okay, now while that does sound sad and I feel you, obviously, you know, that's no good. Um, I will also say that I don't think Garrison Keeler is someone who <laughs> walks outside and people are like, hey, it's the Prairie Home Companion guy. <laughs> hey, ma- hey ma'am. Hey, man, hey, hey, can you talk about Lake Winnipanoka or whatever the fuck he talks about? <laughs> Lake Wobegon, that's the one. Wobegon, yes. Okay, I found it. I found it. I found it. Garrison Keeler, 26 minutes ago. I guess this is him. All right. I don't think of myself as a white person. It <laughs> seems like an oversimplification. 
my eyeballs are white. And that's about all. I mean, he posts wow. like he's on NPR. <laughs> yeah. Many of my classmates have white hair. I don't. The phrase white Humble privilege brag. seems off the mark, too. It obviates all of the interesting details of childhood. A fundamentalist upbringing, the cruelty of bullies. Oh, now I feel bad. Oh, Encounters with dreadful teachers. The search for a vocation. I've often been the beneficiary of blind luck, for sure. The national broadcast of a Prairie Home Companion was made possible by a system of satellite <laughs> uplinks built across the country against the wishes of NPR. I, th I thought he was going to say it was made possible by a grant from the Karen and something MacArthur Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, there's there is part of me that feels bad for Garrison Keillor because uh, he lost his show what, uh, or whatnot. But again, I don't feel like Garrison Keillor is walking around and people are going, <laughs> "That's that's Garrison Keillor." You know what yeah. I mean? Did you know I saw him live? Have I ever told that story? <laughs> no. Holy shit! Okay, so my parents took me to the Hollywood Bowl. Wow! And, live at the well, Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, so we we you know we used to go to the Hollywood Bowl every summer because tickets are like dirt cheap for mm -hmm. the back seats. And were people you know, hitting you can... up like a beach ball around at the Prairie Home Companion? Um, no, they very much weren't. And and that was the thing about going to these things is it was mostly we'd see classical music. Um, and I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> um, and one time, uh, we went. To I know. Go I see... know. Whenever I'm listening to classical music, I'm like, this is okay. But imagine you were seeing it live. Like they put on. Yeah. They put on a hell of a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if you like classical music, you'll love the same thing, but with <laughs> nothing to watch. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, classical music can be good. But anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, w one night we go see Garrison Keillor. I had no idea who this is. And imagine going to go see Garrison Keillor and you don't know who it is. Your first thought is, and I don't know why this was my first thought, Um He's probably really funny. Yeah. So, um, because, you know, it's like a whole show dedicated to him. I assume there's going to be jokes in it. No one just talks, right? So, about 30 minutes into it, me and I brought a friend from, from school, uh, came with us. <laughs> um, we were on the edge of our seats going, where's the fucking punchline we thought <laughs> that there was this was all a setup yeah. to something really really funny and it, it was maybe maybe two hours long but it was like one of those things where after a while i was like i will never understand adults <laughs> and the things that they enjoy uh -huh. because that was the worst thing i've ever seen it wasn't fun it wasn't funny the story was it was almost intentionally bland right and like it sounds like the setup to a joke because it's too bland to be not a joke right like exactly a, a horse walked into a bar in lake Wobegon. yeah and then and then it's just like two hours of like where did that horse come from you know <laughs> what was the world of horse i was an equestrian when i was a child and you're just like uh, uh, but what's the joke does it why the long face why the long face say it yeah oh god yeah. Anyways, well, R.I.P. Garrison Keillor. <laughs> um, 
so a couple other news things so I've, we've we quickly re- reached the stage of like corporate uh backtracking you know we had like a nationwide protest and now uh now the corporations are responding in all sorts of weird ways oh yeah um so now uh the the madman episode where roger sterling is in blackface is going to have oh, yeah. a title card in front of it to provide context oh you mean like there's going to be blackface in this. Uh, okay. Well, you want to know what the card's going to say? Wait, it's going to say it just during the scene, not at the opening. It's not like a trigger warning or something. Uh, yeah. No, it is a. It, it no. It'll appear before the episode. Oh, before the episode. Okay. Yeah. Go just ahead. that episode, because obviously no other episode of Mad Men ever dealt with the concepts of race in America. Look. <laughs> uh, Title card will say, this episode contains disturbing images related to race in America. Mm. One of the characters is shown in blackface as part of an episode that shows how commonplace racism was in America in 1963. Its reliance on Mm. historical authenticity. The series producers are committed to exposing the injustices and equities within our society that continue to this day so that we can examine even them. Oh, my God. So, like now damn it's long yeah. it's very long yes it's well, an now, explanation of of the context of of the scene it's an explanation now, it's, of art every time a character does something uh that is not uh morally good you need an explanation of why why it's there now jesus it, it is it's such a weird response because it's like some people are just pulling their blackface episodes and like in general i'm kind of like i'm ambivalent on it because yeah. Because, like, half of it is, like, yes, blackface is bad, but them pulling it is more so because they don't want the part to be cut out and put on Twitter and get canceled. <laughs> right. And so th- they're not, trying to head it off. I mean, and, and, and how, how I many times, that. how many times, of like, how many of these blackface episodes that got pulled uh, was the intention to, like, do blackface unironically? Like, every single one right. of them is, like, satirizing the uh, decision to do blackface. In- right, right, right. In general, it's, it's right, it's making fun of uh, blackface as being the most shocking racist yeah. thing. And, like- and it's, it's, not, it's not doing blackface, you know, and obviously, you know, like, the context of blackface uh, matters more to the viewer of the show who is a fan of it and understands like like if you watch the show you understand why uh like Mad Men you understand seeing uh what's his name Roger Sterling yeah is that uh you understand him doing blackface and you see it and you just go oh man and then you go the fucking yeah you you say to yourself as you're watching it the 60s were racist. Huh? I mean, the entire like purpose of the show is like, this is the kind of shit that white dudes got away with in the 60s. Like, that's right. the, the entire show. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and so it's like, it's important to the people who already enjoy the show, which is why you see people who enjoy the shows that are, you know, getting uh, either quote-unquote canceled or are getting um you know just dragged or have decided to no i think it's all preemptive like i don't think anyone was like oh man we're gonna fucking sue netflix if they don't take the black no no of course not of Of course not but i'm saying like you see the people who are defending it and the people who are defending it are the people who watch to the show right yeah of course Uh, and and also uh also 
a lot of right wingers who never fucking gave a shit about the show and probably never heard of Mad Men um, and are just like taking it as a culture war thing. Um, but for the people who watch the show, they get defensive about the context. And it's like it's one of those places I found myself in um, when it comes to uh, the discussion of the man show for some reason uh-huh. whenever whenever people want to talk about the man show as sexist my initial response is always but th- that's the point of the show the point was was that it was a response to the the fact that there's all these women's networks and they're like well what if we did a show that was just for men as a joke and that's the joke. And then I remember watching it and going like, oh, yeah, it was also just blatantly sexist. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like there was a time when uh, the irony excuse was kind of a way to just get away with doing the sexist thing sure. that you wanted to do. And yeah. you felt better than it because of the fact that you uh, you're like, well, I get it. So it's OK because <laughs> I'm actually good. Um, and uh, so, you know. I try to stop myself whenever I feel the internet uh, goading me on to defend something that sure. I feel like I'm not going to die on the hill of the man show. <laughs> yeah, it's no. literally like the, uh, I'm not going to uh, listen. The juggies big fan. I also like that guy. Uh, what was his name? The Fox, the guy yeah. who used to drink two beers uh-huh. uh, uh, in one gulp. Uh, he was amazing. He died like a season in. Uh, but you know, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I used to love Adam Carolla, and uh, times have changed. Sure, yeah. Oh yeah, it's just you know there is kind of like I I have mixed feelings about like the kind of like uh, corporate um, you know I guess whitewashing um, when it comes to you know uh, Black Lives Matter and whatnot. Like they they want to. Uh, they want to be part of the solution, quote unquote, right. but like, but they can't, they're service. incapable of it because they're corporations and they have a million lawyers. And like, once you, yeah, once you talk to a lawyer, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's going to be fucked up and weird. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just like, I have mixed feelings because I know it's bullshit and I know it's lip service. And at the same time, I'm also like, ah, you know, uh, you got to take the wins where you can get sure, them. You yeah. know, it's like the it's like the Mitt Romney at the Black Lives Matter march. Like my initial feeling is like fuck you, Mitt. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm kind of like that's progress right. though. I mean, it, even if he's being disingenuous, if he feels like he has to, that's that's progress. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So, and you watch the corporations do it, and and I I end up feeling the same way. I just like what I like is whenever they do do it, they open themselves up to people saying like, okay, so uh, let's look at your executive suite and see if there's <laughs> if there's uh, anyone in there who is not a white man. And uh, yeah, you know, I think that's a that's a start. It's something. Um. So we got another question, which I thought was a good one from uh, listener Adam. Uh, who's a person, writer, musician, artist, actor, comedian, etc., whose content slash output you <clears throat> you enjoy, but you think would be insufferable to be around in real life? Uh, oh I, man, I'd go with Paul F. Tompkins, mostly for how he dresses with his suits and ascots. Um, I think uh-huh. that's an easy one. I mean, the first the first one that comes to mind for me, which I think is uh, very applicable, is uh, Quentin Tarantino. where where i enjoy pretty much all of his movies and uh he seems like he would be a nightmare person uh, to be around yeah 
Um, I also yeah. think it, it, it applies to almost every musician. Yeah, I, th- I was going to say, like, the musician is easy uh, because, like, my favorite would be, like, I would choose Tom York of Radiohead because <laughs> fa- favorite band, love them, think his music is great, is a musical genius, can't imagine hanging out with him. I try watching him whenever he does, like, you know, the, uh, uh, like, the interview circuit. Uh, yeah. And he went, he went on Colbert. And I'm watching him, like... You know when you watch your dad do something, uh, it, it, it's like it's like watching someone uh, and praying that they don't fuck it up, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. you you just you, I'm I'm nervous for him because he's such a fucking weirdo. He's so awkward that you're like I don't know if he's gonna get jokes, <laughs> right. and and half of you's worried that he's gonna be offended at jokes, you know? Uh, so like I. I couldn't imagine hanging out with Tom York, although, uh, Tom, if you're a listener, uh, I'd love to hang out. Yeah, uh, we could get him on know. Cameo to come on the Frontcast. Dude, that would be so sick. I feel like he wouldn't do Cameo. No, And I'm pretty not. sure. No. <laughs> um, in terms of, like, just regular famous person who I love, I mean, I don't even know. Who, who do I like, Vince? Ooh, who do you like? Who do I like? I, try, I think about um, that a lot. Who do I like? <laughs> um... I like you. Oh, yeah, I like you too. Yeah, but you, I don't think you count. No, definitely not. Um okay, I'm think first let's think of uh people whose work I enjoy. But uh God, I don't even know. I don't even think I like things anymore. You know, earlier when I was saying I like things, I, I don't know if that's true. I like, Maybe I hate most things. I like the Lonely Island, but I feel like they'd be all right to be around. Oh, they'd be cool. They'd yeah. be cool as fuck to hang out with. Uh, maybe Bernie. <laughs> sure, sure. Bernie would be someone who, like, you know, I would hang out with. and. But then he'd always then, be complaining about the soup. and Yeah, uh, just be like, this is uh, a lukewarm soup. Uh, you know, that's how he talks. <laughs> Sneezing real impression. loud. Yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, just like an Irish guy. <laughs> Like any Irish person, not yeah, not in, no one in particular. Like I like the Irish people, but like I feel like if I hung out with them, I'd be like, all right, hey, could you tone it down? Yeah, tone it down a little bit. What you talking about? This is how we are. And I'd be like, all right, I like, yeah, you know, I like you guys in theory. <laughs> no Irish need apply a podcast. Um, no, so no, I I love Irish. I do too. I think they're the best uh, nationality to. I mean, in terms of people that I yeah, they're like the master race, huh, Vince? No, uh, no. In terms of, of like being having a baseline of of like decent to be around. Yeah, I no, feel like I mean the, the British are feast or famine. Famine. They're either like really yeah. good or the worst people ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australians are like that to a little bit lesser degree, where yeah, most of them are good, but then you get like the. The travel, like the backpacker ones are pretty bad a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. probably true of Americans too, I'm sure. Oh, of course that's true. Like 98% of American backpackers are absolutely awful. Yeah, I think... Um, Canadians are pretty good, you know. Oh, they're great. I think uh, Icelandic, I would, I would be, I'd be down to hang out with some people from Iceland. Sure. Mostly because, like, you know, I like two of their artists, you know? I like... Yeah. Uh, I like Suga Ross, uh, um, 
And I also like that guy's solo stuff, Yancey. That guy's that guy's rad. What about- I also like Bjork. So Bjork, that leads us into our topic for today. Oh, does it? Kinda. That was totally unintentional. Was it? No, of course not. Oh, I'm okay. that good. Oh yeah. I'm so good at segues you that just, you should you bleed let segues. me do them more. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, do you think Bjork had to pay to not get mentioned in Eurovision? I know. I was thinking that the whole time. I was just like. They must, it's either she had to pay to be not mentioned in it, or they were like, I don't want to kick that hornet's nest. Because, like, they were like, they, I respect Bjork enough that if I were making like an Icelandic spoof movie, I would be like, I kind of don't want her to know about it because I don't want her to be mad. <laughs> yeah. You know? But then like they maybe, had Sigur Ross got in there. I mean, like, at least in the soundtrack. Yeah. His music got in there. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it was, I did think that. I was like, why are they not mentioning Bjork, the most famous Icelander? Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe uh, they wanted to keep it classy. All right, so like famous Icelanders, you got Bjork, you got the mountain from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, you got uh, Gunnar Nelson, the U- UFC fighter. Uh, you got Yancy, the lead singer of Sigaros. Okay, there you go. That's it, right? I don't think there's other Icelanders that I can think yeah, of. Yeah, and you named like a couple extra ones. Yeah. Did the, you just name a mountain? The mountain from Game of Thrones. That's the most famous one of the most famous Icelanders. I mean, he's is a pretty mountain. famous. He's like the most fa- he's like the most Oh, the mountain. Yeah. The guy who played the mountain. Yeah, the winningest <laughs> thought, the world's strongest man. I thought there was just a really famous mountain that you were like, we'll count that as a person. Oh yeah, there was the volcano that exploded that one summer. Yeah, that's what I thought you meant. I was the like, all right. Fjallalala Loker or whatever the fuck it was yeah, called. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's that one, but then there's the actual, there's the guy yeah, the mountain. Yeah. I didn't know he was Icelandic. That makes sense. Tormund Giant Spain or whatever the fuck his name is. It's not, if it's anything, the last name always has son or daughter at the right. end. So in this which movie. Is very interesting. Uh, Will Ferrell plays uh, <laughs> Lars Eric Song, which was a cute joke, you know, because it's not Eric's son, it's Eric Song. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. His last name's Song. It is? Yeah. Eric Song. I miss that completely. And then his girlfriend, Rachel McAdams, is yeah. is Secret Eric's daughter. And they're like, yeah. "Are you guys related?" Which would make sense because they have uh, the both of their dads are named Eric, according to their last. Yeah, names. but there's probably you know there's a lot of Eric's and you know that this is a I've always said the problem with this naming convention is that there's going to be a million Lars Larsons mm-hmm. and you know like. Eric Erickson's. Well, but I think it it it, uh, it it disincentivizes you naming your kid after yourself because then they're gonna have to be, you know, Matt yeah, Matson. but it, even so, like I just said, Eric Erickson is a, and I think that's a person. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. There's a few of them. There's there's probably literally thousands. So it's just like as a naming convention, um, it's a bad start in terms of like thinking Iceland, you know, uh knows how to be a country but it but having said that um icelandic people seem to uh be very smart uh they seem to uh really like grand music and i'm a big (laughs) fan of uh of their weird stupid language sure sure yeah yeah a big fan i think it's a great place to film a comedy movie i think that's part of the reason i liked the movie is i just liked watching them be in Iceland and interact yeah. with like very weird uh Icelandic characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Also- I, I mean, I I felt like initially, first of all, when you told me to watch this movie, um, I had never heard of it. Um, thought you were actually telling me to watch the actual the contest. contest. Yeah, it's a terrible I title. Thought, yeah, yeah, I, I was confused by it because I was like, I, I don't really want to. It feels watch like an Eurovision SEO title contest. a little bit, like they're doing it because like people were going to be web searching Eurovision Song Contest and they wanted to really uh, target that. Search it term. did feel like that, and and I got to say it's kind of smart because uh, Eurovision got canceled this year because of COVID, and uh, now everyone's going to get their fix by watching this uh, weird, stupid Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you told me to watch it, I was, uh, and I found out it was a Will Ferrell movie. Um, my instinct was, oh God, I don't want to. Right. And y- you know what? The more I think about it, the more I'm like, Vince, I don't like things. But did you I watch used to it? Like- did you watch it though? I did. And I really liked it. Right. But what I'm saying. <laughs> I thought it was going to that- be terrible too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that like, I guess I'm, I'm prejudiced against things that people tell me to like. Um, or no, people tell me to watch. I think it's fair to the the last ten Will Ferrell movies have been pretty bad. Yeah, they've been they've been garbage. Um, but yeah, this felt like it was going to be another one, and instead, um, I found myself very much enjoying it. There is still this thing with Will Ferrell where, as he's getting older, I'm watching him age, and he ages weird because he's not well, getting like droopier. He, he's been weird. He's always been very strange looking. And that's, he's a strange like, looking he man. He l- never looked like a young man, even when he was a young man. And yeah, he had that yeah. weird body that looked like it looked like a like a like a stocking with socks yes. in it with like pubes yeah. drawn on yeah, the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like a looks- potato maybe. Yeah, he looks like uh, I don't know, like if ground beef fell uh, at a supercuts, <laughs> and then yeah. you picked it up off the floor and made it man shaped. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you're like, there it is. That's a that's a person. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's a strange looking guy. He's always been strange, but he's also one of those people who you just look at him and you laugh because right. you know he's just there's something about him that's funny. But as the years have gone on, I have been. Uh, less and less enamored with just looking at him and i've more and more just kind of been like what a weird looking guy uh-huh. and also like because he's been is like so effortlessly funny um that now i've started to resent the effortlessness right uh, well it, it, like it started out he was funny in a few things where he had a specific part you know like yes zoolander and uh, one of the austin powers where he played a guy that kept dying uh, yeah, and then at a certain point they realized that he didn't really need a story. It was kind of like Barry Sanders, where they just uh, they stopped like drafting offensive linemen because he would just run everywhere anyway, and so they yeah. would just sort of like give him the ball and hope he figured it out. And uh, yeah. that's kind of what they've been doing with Will Ferrell for the last ten years, where right. they just give right. him like a. They know he's going to do a huge act out, so they give him like yeah. the broadest outlines of a story. Yeah. And like go nuts, man! And uh, it hasn't worked in a long time. But I feel yeah. like this movie would have been good uh, without Will Ferrell, and it almost would have been good, like not as a comedy, um, yeah. which is kind of why it worked. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. There was a part of me that my initial reaction was just like, it's weird to give Will Ferrell this this role. Right. Uh, And where I was like, you know, why? You know, he's clearly 
a middle-aged man. But then, of course, uh, you know, Pierce Brosnan's character playing his father told him he was a middle-aged man. And then I'm also <laughs> watching it, and I, I was kind of thinking to myself, yeah, that's the thing with Will Ferrell movies. If you put anyone else in them, you'd be like, why would I watch this? <laughs> right. Will Ferrell is so funny and magnetic and such a draw that you can pretty much put him in any situation and people will be like, yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Um, having said that, you're right though. The, the plot and the, I guess the, not so much the plot. I mean, it's very obvious, you know, I mean, there not, was a plot is what I'm saying. There was a plot. Um, and it made but, sense. Like it tracked and it had cute jokes along the way. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like the last five Netflix movies, like the lovebirds where, yeah, you yeah. know, it's a like they're just, or even the last one we talked about, uh, King of Staten Island. Like the thing that Judd Apatow does is he hires a bunch of comedians and then he has them stand around and he kind of films them like riffing. And yeah. this was very much not that he hired all like actors that aren't necessarily comedy actors yeah. or comedians. It was like Pierce Brosnan, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, and gave them lines to do. And gave them lines to do. And he had them commit to the characters and it worked yeah. really well. Like Dan Stevens was fucking amazing. And he was. Rachel McAdams, like that was almost like, I actually cared about her story, her character enough yeah. that it would have worked as a drama. Like I was like by the, yeah. by the last musical number, I was like, wow, I think I actually, uh, cared about her story arc there which yeah yeah she did a great job of number one like taking a bjork impression and making it sound like a person right yeah uh like she was basically just doing bjork and everyone else was doing swedish chef which was kind of weird <laughs> um the accents they made a joke out of the accents going in and out really bad i think yeah yeah i mean they're clearly atrocious but you kind of like you're like i get it it's icelandic who's gonna know <laughs> um but yeah but uh yeah no she she made me invested in her character and i kind of fell in love with her again yeah oh god and, and it's like like all of the the same feelings that I had when I used to watch the notebook, mm -hmm. like came back and I was just like, I love you. Yeah. Rachel McAdams. What is it about her? I feel like everyone, even there's girls something. are like that. They're like, Oh my God. There's I love something her. about her, dude. There's just something about her where you're just like, I want to hold you, make you feel safe. <laughs> if, if you would love me, I would love you too back forever. If you want, like <laughs> she she turns me into just like a, an oogling child oh but, yeah absolutely uh, but yeah she she was wonderful uh in the movie and uh will ferrell too he didn't do the thing that i was kind of expecting him to do which was kind of like uh just chew the scenery mm -hmm. every time he's on camera and kind of like make you go oh yeah in the, have to deal with this. I mean, he but, chewed it a little bit, but I think it was... He did. I haven't seen a, a comedy that felt like there was breathing space in it in a long time. And this yeah. one, it felt like there was breathing space. Like, I could I could sort of watch it and zone out, and it would be fine. And then a joke would happen, and it would be funny. And then yeah. I would care enough to keep watching, but it wasn't... It wasn't like constantly assaulting me with jokes like an ice axe, like a lot of yeah. comedies do now. Yeah, they they also it was two hours, and initially I was like, "Fuck this." Yeah. Um, and but they did spend a good portion of the, those two hours just doing the musical acts, right? And because of that, you almost you forgive it because you kind of go like, "I don't know how you can make this movie 
under two hours I think without you forgive the music because the music was good like if the music yeah, wasn't that, that good too. like the music was funny the uh swedish rap about how like he's he's chilling with the homies and his dad's trying to like make him uh mow the lawn and he's like talking yeah. about the kardashians and stuff yeah it felt very much like what a swede uh imitating this distant echo of shitty american <laughs> pop culture would be like which yeah. is which is perfect yeah and then there was yeah, that and that whole um, pop music medley in the middle, which was super weird, but totally worked and was yeah. really fun in a weird way. Yeah, it was it was this thing where uh, I, you know, I had to fight my initial feelings of just skipping it because I was like, OK, now they're going to do a musical medley. But then I would just kind of keep watching because like, well, I kind of like the share song. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, I kind of like this ABBA song. And yeah. then after a while, I was just like, I kind of love this whole thing and it makes me feel good. Yeah. You know, it's like some some, you know, comedies do have the power to make me feel things, um, you know, other than um, dread. Right. Which is nice. Uh, <laughs> but also, like, other than laughter, it's, it's, it, it, I was moderately impressed with the fact that I was able to be invested th- in, like, the music. Yeah. And which I is think a rare thing with comedies now, like, I thought, I wondered if the reason that I didn't like them was because, you know, it's partly like a profession thing and I'm sort of like, I'm mm-hmm. playing, like, I'm seeing the construction of it. Right. And, uh, and so it was like hard for me to watch comedies and not like judge them. And also Mm -hmm. they, they immediately kind of fell into my thing or not my thing. Like I, right. What most comedies I could tell in five minutes, like, all right, this one's not going to be my thing. And, uh, or it was like something I wanted to support. And this one, it kind of reminded me of watching those SNL movies in high school where, yeah. It really didn't matter. Like I would never say they were like good or bad. They were just right. things that like you, like the jokes were memorable enough that you found yourself repeating them. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like a cultural touchstone without necessarily being good or bad. If that makes any sense. Right. Cause you're not watching them because they're the, you know, they're the fucking Godfather. Right. You know, you're just, and, and they're not attached to anything. Uh, there's no political message. There's, there's nothing to it other than like, a sequence of silly scenes. Yeah. Um, well, plus a lot and, of the stuff that that calls itself political now, like mm-hmm. this, really got to me with like not both Knives Out and Defive Bloods. Like mm-hmm. the the idea of politics in those movies is to just uh, have the characters randomly name drop political things. The Hunt was right. the same way. Like they would just have one character who was like like the one Knives Out character who was like an online troll, and you're like, yeah, y- yeah, that's a thing but like it's not like it has nothing to do with the story yeah and it's just like just so you know what time period we're in yeah that's there's no commentary yeah. on it or insight it's just like that's a thing yeah yeah it is uh it, it, this movie was like completely devoid of anything um i guess relevant uh and was just kind of like you know what's a funny backdrop iceland yeah because it was they have funny accents and, which, and, and they believe in elves yeah sure and the elf shit was fucking killer. Yeah. It, that it was so weird because I remember kind of thinking like all right, the place they're going to go with the elves. Uh I'm like you. It's like at this point, you know, when it comes to watching comedies, I just 
see how the sausage is made mm-hmm. and I'm deconstructing it. You have a whole going, series what? of expectations because you're like, all right, if this was my setup, what would I do with it? Right. Yeah. And so my expectations for where they were going to go with the elves was kind of based on what my expectations for the movie was, which was like everything's going to be super fucking on the nose at some point the you know all these elves are going to come out and we're going to have to see them mm-hmm. and it's going to be this bad netflix cg and blah 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 but instead they did the perfect perfect amount of elf jokes yep it was it was so funny the funniest like the part where i laughed the hardest while watching it um was when they try to uh qualify for eurovision in iceland uh, but they fail miserably and they don't even go to the boat party afterwards. And then, uh, you know, Secret uh, is trying to, you know, uh, make what was Will Ferrell's character's name? Lars feel better. Uh, and then the boat explodes <laughs> and, and Secret goes, oh, the elves went too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like the unhelpful ghost like they had. They had oh, Dem- unhelpful ghost they had is very Demi funny. Lovato play a horribly disfigured, unhelpful uh, mm-hmm. ghost, which was uh, it was pretty smart. I also think that was Demi Lovato singing the very last song uh, as Rachel McAdams. Apparently, character. that was this famous Icelandic uh, singer who was supposed to be in Eurovision and like couldn't for some reason, and they because mixed- of COVID. Uh, something like that. And I didn't. I only skimmed the article about her, and then they sort of. Uh, that they they did a hybrid of her and Rachel McAdams. Wait, Rachel McAdams sang? I think they like they incorporated her. Vo- I mean, with all the like digital shit you can do in post, I, like I'm sure. Yeah, like, I, I think get, they yeah. incorporated enough of it so it kind of sounded like her. I guess I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, it was uh, it was an amazing song. It was like actually good. You know, and that was, was the thing. Yeah, the the final song that was like kind of a Sigur Rós song, and that girl. Yeah about her hometown and then she starts singing in Icelandic. I I was like this is I'm like legitimately emotional. This is a good song. Yeah, it's legit good. And there and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Icelandic language just sounds like elves. Uh-huh. Like it just sounds like elvish Lord of the Rings style. So you're listening to it and you're like I actually prefer not understanding it. Yeah. And listening to the way that the Icelandic language sounds than English. Like, like it's like watching, it's like looking at a painting, you know, you look at a painting, you know, you don't want someone explaining it to you. You just want to enjoy it. Yeah. Not that I've ever, I don't want Rammstein I've ever, I've never just... looked at a painting. I've never enjoyed a painting. I want to put that out there. <laughs> I, I, I don't get, I don't get them. I look at them. I go, you drew a house, big deal. Kill yourself. But then, you know, uh, there's something about world music in general with me where not knowing the language makes me enjoy it so much more because yeah. I can interpret it. I don't want to know what Rammstein's actually talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. You just want to assume uh, it's some, you know, weird sex stuff. Here's how dumb I am. I had heard the ABBA song Waterloo and mm-hmm. uh, not noticed the part where it was actually about Napoleon or where there was actually like a Napoleon metaphor. I... Um, and I think I would have liked it yeah. a thousand times better if I did, because I like all dumb songs about historical <laughs> things. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I've never heard Waterloo uh, beyond just the parts that they sang. Um, and I always assumed it was about Napoleon. Uh-huh. 
Um, but I also never knew enough about Napoleon to, to dispute, like, because part of me was like, it can't be about Napoleon, but I'm like, well, why not? (laughs) Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Why wouldn't it? You know, because I don't know enough about Napoleon. To be honest right now, I'm at a point in my life where I am going like diving headfirst into the French revolution Mm -hmm. and, uh, very interesting time period. You guys. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm listening to this new, uh, history podcast that was recommended by a broadcast listener. Uh, it's called Revolutions. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, you know how I was talking about this is, I'm, you know, I'm kind of digressing here, but real oh, quick. Oh, wait, you? Me? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I was talking about how much, you know, I enjoy Dan Carlin's uh, podcast and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and someone was like, well, listen to this one. It's better. And the guy's voice on this one is the opposite of Dan Carlin's. Um, and I found myself actually not enjoying it because he just sounds like a guy. He, he breathes into the mic weird. Oh no. Uh, and whatnot. But I've now listened to enough that, uh, I've gotten used to his voice, man. That was a whole story. Yeah. That was a great story. Everybody's going to be really excited to hear about that. They really, you really took us on a journey. So sorry. (laughs) You know, like half this podcast is just like, what did I do yesterday? (laughs) Um, I listen to a podcast. I should talk about that on podcast. That's it. Do you think that we're going to have to go back to, uh, commuting after this? Like, I feel like everybody has commuting. Yeah. Like people used to what go to work at an office and now they don't. Yeah. And, uh, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Are, uh, uh, other people. And once I was COVID like, is over, yeah. like, are they going to, did they, did it make people realize that we don't need to commute to offices? Yeah, or? I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I guess the, if there's one positive thing that comes out of this, it would be that um, more people get to telecommute um, because, yeah, offices are mostly useless. They're, they're only useful if you're a, a middle manager who wants to yell at someone uh, for not doing their job because you think that's your in your job description like that that's the that's going that's, into an office that's yeah that's why we had offices really offices are just meant to uh keep you in there so that someone can check up on you randomly and make sure that you're worth the money yeah it's hell um that's not to say I haven't enjoyed uh, having coworkers before. I like having some coworkers, but yeah. I would say majority of coworkers. I like uh, having coworkers can, that I only know through Slack that I can yeah. sort of ignore whenever I feel like it. Yeah, that is nice. That is nice. Um, but yeah, in general, uh, yeah, hopefully people, I just stop going into offices. Oh, I have some Vin DeBona updates. Oh, oh, wow. I mean, has anyone heard about how much shit you talked about him on... Uh... Um, I don't think so. Other than my coworkers who I like, uh, yeah, so a little the, background, Matt was actively trying to get fired from Vin Bona, and he talked about who was the guy that you hated there. Uh, I talked about Gabe, Gabe, uh, yeah, Gabe, he hated yeah. Gabe and he went talked on like Lisa. A, he went on like a 15 minute, uh, rant about how much he hated Gabe that I had to debate whether we should leave in the podcast or not. And, uh, it, <laughs> took him like, it, was... it took him like three more episodes to get fired, which was impressive, but eventually yeah, well, he did get fired. I didn't get fired because of the podcast. No, it was no. something that was in the works anyway. Yeah. Um, I think they can just sense when you're that checked out that you'll talk shit on them at a podcast. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, I say I have an update, but the only update is that, uh, uh, half of the company has now been fired. 
Uh, and uh, they also got rid of um, their office. And now everyone's in uh, just the main office that was across the way. Uh, and Gabe is kind of last man standing, <laughs> uh, which was exactly what I told him what would happen uh, with his career. <laughs> I told him, I was like, uh, you know, I, I don't like to burn bridges in Hollywood and I would be nervous about it if I wasn't positive that I will never have to work with you ever again. <laughs> you will never leave this job. You, I think I called him a barnacle that will hang on to Vindabona <laughs> until the until the blood is dry. Man, I've never seen Tell Off, Matt. Oh yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's the thing. I rarely get to be Tell Off, Matt. I, know. I most think people, I've told off maybe like three people in my life. You know, the one thing I regret and I was thinking about this on the way out was uh, I should have grabbed uh, the jar of gummy worms that they had at the, at the next to the exit just yeah. to match the time that you took the sparkless water. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. Anyways, the movie. Yeah. Well, did you want to do we have Is there any more juice in that, Barry? I think I think we got it. We liked it. Yeah, I think we got it. Solid B plus. Yeah. I mean, you know, enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was good. Again, I love Rachel McAdams. Uh, don't know why they didn't mention Bjork once. They didn't mention Bjork once. Um, what's his name? Uh, James Bond guy, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Holy shit, is he a handsome man? Even like as a grizzled old man, he's I know. so goddamn handsome. Which is kind of unfair because like he was handsome as like a younger man too. Yeah, but- he stayed handsome, and he. Uh, the question is. Did he get more handsome? And I don't know if he did. I think he is same handsome, which yeah. is equally impressive. Yeah. Because more handsome usually implies that when they were younger, they were like, they were okay, mm-hmm. but now they're hot. He never had a glow up. He just was always glowing. Yeah. The dude has stayed glowing for like there's, 50 years. There's other people that were handsome as younger actors who are not like Mel Gibson was like a heartthrob as a oh, young sure. man. Not yeah. now. Uh, yeah. you know, that's like, what you get when you talk about the Jews, <laughs> yeah. anti-Semitic piece of shit. Yeah. What do you think about, uh, the like old story about him talking shit to Winona Ryder coming out yeah. now? It's weird that he faced, like he got dropped from some project that I guess he was a voice on. And, uh, and it was kind of like, what, you didn't know that about Mel Gibson. I don't get it. Y- yeah, it, it is. It's one of those things where um, the people who obviously, you know, hired him uh, were they they knew everyone knows the Mel Gibson thing. The sugar tits, the juice yeah. started all the war. It's like it was a, it was a big deal. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that, you know, new information came out, the people who hired him were like, crap. Now we got to drop <laughs> yeah. them. But I feel like there's levels. Like I get canceling mm-hmm. Mel Gibson in terms of like, yeah, I'm not going to watch the movie that he made about how the Jews are bad. But uh, <laughs> when Mel Gibson is just like a character in some random movie, like am I supposed to cancel that movie because he's bad? And I mean, most actors are retarded, right? Like, wh- Well, that's the thing. Um, first of all, how dare you? Uh, you were canceled, but uh, no, I mean, the the whole idea of like you are supposed to cancel him uh, if you're watching a movie and he shows up in your movie uh, and you decide to turn it off. Uh, let me just say, as a Jew, 
you're doing too much. I mean, I understand. <laughs> per- personally, I'm kind of like this whole thing where people want to continue giving them work. I'm yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I guess. But like, why? I, I don't know. There's a lot of actors out there. I mean, it's I think Mel the reason Gibson. he was good was because he could pull off borderline psychopath which apparently no, yeah. is what he like in those phone calls he would go from zero to like 150 in a, <laughs> yeah, in a split right. second i forgot about the phone call and that's kind of what made him good as an actor is that he would be super calm and rational one minute and the next minute yeah. he was like an absolute raving lunatic but yeah that was just kind screaming of what made the n-word him, and stuff kind of what made him fun to watch yeah no it, it definitely it was like the draw of him as an actor but then you know you, you enough of his personal life got out and you're kind of like, Oh, he's kind of a piece of shit. I don't know if I want to support that. And that's, right. you know, that's I fine guess, to feel that I way. I guess I just wonder where the line between like supporting that. And then like, I don't want to, I don't want the to, question- I don't want to support his personal life, but if he's going to pantomime for my enjoyment, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're, if, if, if he's going to sing and dance, uh, you know, uh, is it is it wrong to be like, I don't mind throwing him a quarter if he's if he's singing and dancing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in general, it's, uh, you know, Jane Harrison kind of had some good points about that on a previous broadcast where she was mostly like um, defending the idea that there is actually nothing wrong with, uh, you know, watching. Uh, with deciding you do not want to monetarily support someone who's sure, a piece no, of shit. Sure, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. Yeah, um, and you know, when it comes to Mel Gibson, you know, maybe uh, if he shows up in a movie as some sort of side character, um, number one, it's going to take me out of it because they're going to be like, oh, it's Mel Gibson for some reason. Uh, but also, uh, you know, he already got the money, right? You know. You know, but then what point, if you're the producer? If I'm producing a movie with Mel Gibson? Yeah. And you're like, oh man, or, he's or, he's so good. Gonna... He's so good in this part, but now I have to like pay him and thus support him. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying you if the movie is produced by Mel Gibson. No, no, if you're the producer and like I'm and, the, if I'm the producer, the I'm not come, hiring Mel Gibson. And the director's like, look, Mel's perfect in this part. And then you see it and you're like, God damn it. He really is. But now I mean, make that decision, I guess. If I'm the producer, I'm not working with Mel Gibson because, I mean, there's levels to it. This idea that everyone's getting canceled for different reasons and blah, blah, blah. And there's plenty of people who are, you know, being quote unquote canceled or, you know, whatnot for for ridiculous um, shit. For a lot of it is just people being ignorant and like not knowing things and and, you know, not really being up on today's uh you know i don't know uh, language and yeah. and whatnot um but mel gibson is a very specific case of right. like being a monstrous piece of shit like a raving lunatic racist mm-hmm. like he was telling his what was his daughter if you get raped by a pack no, of n-words his, i think that was like his girlfriend <laughs> that was his girl of course yeah. <laughs> like, i think it was his pregnant <laughs> girlfriend yeah you know it's like uh, there's if you if you have to draw a line i'm okay with him being past the line you know sure sure i because i can't i also i don't but what about what happened where movies aren't movies aren't precious enough to be like if it's not this person in it then it'll ruin it it's like there's other actors (laughs) yeah yeah, that's true 
there's other actors. That's how I feel. Sure. Um, and everyone has their own lines for what they're going to cancel a person for. Yeah, I snort um, those lines. That's right. Dude. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, but yeah, Winona Ryder actually came out with a, she, I don't know what she was doing. She must've had some sort of interview uh, where she was, she was talking about all sorts of shit. So one of them, she was talking about Mel Gibson who, uh, said a couple of things. One of them was, uh, we were at a crowded party with one of my good friends and Mel Gibson was smoking a cigar and we're all talking. And he said to my friend who's gay, Oh wait, am I going to get AIDS? And then something came up about Jews, and he said, you're not an oven dodger, are you? <sighs> like, <laughs> Jesus. I don't think I... Maybe I've... he just liked problematic humor. Oh, no. He was an edgelord, for sure. sure. But also, he also does believe that the Jews caused all the wars. Yeah. I mean, you know... Or he, maybe when he, he was... just says that to get a right out of people. He said that though while he was getting arrested, he said that you know he wasn't trying to maybe make the officer laugh. To, he maybe he was. Maybe he was trying to buddy up with the with the officer. He was like, "Hey, you know what this officer Goldberg's gonna like when I <laughs> accuse his people of trying to start the wars?" Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, he's a piece of shit. But then also, uh, Winona Ryder, um, said, uh, so here's here's the article. Um, Winona Ryder says Keanu Reeves refused directions to verbally abuse her while filming Dracula. When I saw this headline, I was like, I love it. I love Keanu Reeves. He's perfect. He's the best. So then I start reading and it starts with update June 25th, 2020 start date. Francis, Francis Ford Coppola. This is before I'd even read the story. Francis Ford Coppola issued a statement clarifying previous reports that he instructed actors on Dracula to verbally, verbally abuse Winona Ryder. Coppola explained that he had asked Gary Oldman, while in character, to say horrific and evil things to Ryder and other characters during the filming. Quote, while I think Winona is a wonderful actor, uh, I, the incident she describes is not how it happened. And shouting or abusing people isn't something I do as a person or as a filmmaker, he told people in a statement. Um... A representative for Ryder also issued a statement which read, Winona and Francis are in agreement that his recollection is correct. He asked the <laughs> actors and characters to say horrible things to her as a technique to help her cry for the scene. Although that technique didn't work for her, she loves and respects him and <laughs> considers it a great privilege to have worked with him. I, I haven't even gotten to the fucking accusation <laughs> yeah. yet. And already, like, Francis Ford Coppola's people were like, update this shit with my goddamn mm-hmm. statement but i think that's a, that's the thing you were talking about earlier where like if if something goes viral enough it's automatically uh problematic because right. it's like when you may when a headline gets passed around enough it yeah uh, it somehow it somehow alters what the original story was about right the original story was keanu reeves is so nice that he won't even in a scene where you know a director has a very specific directing style um he won't participate in it uh, you know to he won't say mean things to Winona Ryder uh because he's such a nice guy he can't even fake do it he yeah. can't even do it in character and and that was the whole story it was wow Winona Ryder is or Keanu Reeves is so sweet but of course by the time <laughs> that you know I had read the article it had already been updated to be like Francis Ford Coppola uh, emphatically states that he will not be canceled <laughs> yeah. for something he did not do. And it's yeah. like, what the fuck? And well, this, apparent, yeah. apparently she, um, 
uh, it says, uh, when director Francis Ford Coppola wanted her to be crying more, he began yelling, you whore to her off camera, urging her male co-stars, including Reeves to join him. But, but Keanu wouldn't writer said, uh, and neither would, uh, Anthony Hopkins or Richard E. Grant. So the, the, I guess he was going to be canceled for saying you whore as his directing style. And he just wanted to get out in front of it. And the fucked up thing is that Winona Ryder probably was like saying this casually in a conversation and in, in an interview about how nice fucking Keanu is. And immediately was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever Francis says, I don't want to fuck with my career yeah, here. Yeah. And that's fucked up because he absolutely did those things. Like, well, that was the, the that Winona was a... had no reason to lie about that. You know, she was she was just saying, "Yo, Keanu's really nice. He wouldn't do this this thing that you know." Yeah, it's it, she wasn't trying to trash him. No, and and she felt like she, you know she has to. Well, that was uh, the same thing that happened uh, with the Christopher Nolan thing this week. Where oh yeah, so what happened with that? So I guess it was I think it was Anne Hathaway was talking about how uh, Christopher Nolan had like a no chairs uh rule like where right where right. like if you're not if you're sitting you're not working and he doesn't want chairs on the set and so See, then, this is a problem this is what so i then, said it's the it, problem with offices so then it went around the internet and, and i admit if i when i heard that i was like well fuck that guy because we've all yeah. had that job where you know you have the boss who's like time to lean time to clean uh go sweep yeah. up and you're like fuck yeah. off leave let me be yeah um yeah but then so that, but then of course, uh, then like the next stage was like, why Christopher Nolan is ableist and blah blah blah, and then it's Christopher it's Nolan so had to come annoying. out and be like, no, like I let people sit. The no chairs rule was just for like directors sitting around like Video Village that directors normally have, you know, chairs and also, decided by hierarchy, and I don't. It's do not that. fucking political. Yeah. He he may very well be an asshole. You can just be an asshole. Right, yeah. It's not a fucking, he's not sitting around going, how am I going to ruin some disabled people's lives today? It's like this, this need to make things bigger than the, like to make them as symbols of some sort of teachable moment. Yeah. Some sort of greater problem. It's like in this case, the, the main problem is that uh fucking christopher nolan's like kind of an asshole and probably uh a dipshit and you can just say what a dipshit and move on with your life right but it's like the fact that it's immediately just like how you know christopher nolan uh is actually terrible and how you might be too i don't know it's just like it's a, it's a, it's, well, a, it's like we're trying thing. to have uh, the conversation about something based on a flawed premise it's kind of like yeah we're like we're like we skip over the initial incident and then we still have to argue about like some culture war thing. Yeah. Like yeah. the NASCAR news thing where it was like the guy th- like they found Oh, I stand with Bubba? Yeah, like they found like they found it wasn't even Bubba who found the noose. It was uh, right. it Someone was Richard found Petty, who was like an old fucking NASCAR driver in a cowboy hat. Uh, yeah. found like a knot that looked like a noose on the particular like oh, that was a that noose they'd, that they'd yeah it was definitely a noose but then they realized that it had been there for like over a year so it couldn't have been intended for that guy and then there was you know like oh so really then they had to have a then there had to be like this argument where half the people were like well nascar is racist and the other half of them were like no this is another jesse smollett and blah blah, blah. and it's like 
can we just admit that this whole thing was based on like an understandable miscons like there were like the whole well, misunderstanding the, the whole misunderstanding was like understandable it looked like a noose he's a black nascar driver it would make sense like that, that that's something that's fairly rational i don't rational i don't to, know what to to flip out over but then uh when you discovered like it wasn't it couldn't have been intended for him but, then you go like see, okay I never, maybe I it's just a weird that. coincidence like there's not enough information there to have like an argument about it you know right right so so yeah i hadn't heard the second half of that where it was it had been there for a while um yeah no it had been so, there for since like like 2019 and then so like yeah. I, I just noticed this because like when you see like the uh most recent comments on like any uprocks post like you can see right and there's people like how come you haven't updated the nascar driver story yet like can you like uh how yeah. come, uh, it's oh what a surprise no one's written about how it wasn't actually a noose meant for blah 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 and it's like you guys are trying to skip over like everything basically like we're yeah. trying to skip over what actually happened to have some fight about whether racism exists and it was like right well because the people in the comment section their fight is now the media invents racism racism doesn't exist 100 whereas the other the the fight before that was uh you know uh is someone uh you know trying to do a, a, a hate crime uh to this black nascar driver and the conversation just keeps you know the people just talking past each other again though i didn't know that second half and uh it's one of those things there's where, too many goddamn news stories to to like follow well, every single one down the rabbit and, hole and this is the problem i think with like our now completely polarized uh media is the fact that at this point i'm just like unless i hear more about this second half of the story where it's supposedly it's been around um you know for a year or whatever my initial thought is just to be like yeah it probably was someone doing a fucking noose because you know there's uh, some racist piece of shit out there like it's not i i would much rather it was the same thing with the jesse smollett thing where i was like seems too far-fetched for it to be him faking a hate crime um so it 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 costs me nothing to just be like oh that probably happened and it then, costs you nothing to not know like i feel like we're very everyone's invested in being the one who knows right. about something that they couldn't possibly know about like i'm okay yeah. with being like all right i don't know what happened there and i may never know what happened there right 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 yeah i mean i guess it, it, what ends up happening though is it's it's unavoidable that uh or not unavoidable but it's like you end up hearing about something and you want to have a response to it yeah and, and maybe not out loud you i don't go on the internet worldview well i i just you know I, I i all i can do is have a feeling and then say what i'm feeling right and, <laughs> and i'm not saying do that on twitter i'm just <laughs> saying in real life i saw the story about jesse smollett and i was like damn that's fucked up and then i cooked dinner <laughs> yeah. you know i, I you're I, living I, you your know, truth bro well, no, just because it was, it's like my initial response isn't always to, I have very few political issues that I am like immediately drawn to Twitter to fucking be like, this is my feeling about it. Right. Uh, it's just Israel, Palestine pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, or, or like socialism, but uh, you know, that's the feeling that I have and 
I'm not willing to go on record uh, with something unless it really is something like, you know, fucking... Unless I actually know about it or I have something to unless add. I, yeah, you know, like uh, j- fucking George Floyd's murder in front of everyone or fucking like the constant stream of other murders that have been happening. Like, uh, to me, it's like, it's not about fitting into a worldview. It's about believing what's in front of your eyes. Right. So yeah. when there are things that happen like the, you know, uh, the black NASCAR driver or like the Jussie Smollett thing, not that they're the same thing, but like my worldview is my worldview, whether I like it or not. And my worldview says, yeah, there's a lot of racist people doing racist shit. Um, and, you know, uh, so the you feeling have to leave is the room feeling. for an unfortunate coincidence oh, or, or at I, least I the possibility room. of it. Well, here, what I do is I go like, well, you know, I don't think about it. And then other information, you know, comes forward, like with the Jesse Smollett thing where I was like, oh, damn, did he fake that shit? That's weird. And again, <laughs> yeah. I move on with my life. Yeah, because what could you how could you possibly like you can't know. So like, I don't yeah, know. you don't. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, in general, though, I do think that like. You know, with the NASCAR thing, I do appreciate the fact that NASCAR, who has, I would say, of all the dumb corporate, like, fucking virtue signaling that's happened, NASCAR has the most to lose when it comes (laughs) to, uh, like, you know, kind of like speaking up uh, against the culture war that uh, is being perpetuated by a lot of possible nascar fans um so the fact that they were able to like actually say here's what we found uh the you know there was only one noose out of you know however many hundreds of garages and it was in his fucking thing yeah therefore we're drawing the conclusion someone fucking put a noose here and i appreciate that even if it's not even if it turned out that it's been there for a year or whatever i appreciate the fact that nascar isn't doing the thing maybe. where let's wait and see well maybe they I shouldn't feel like- maybe they shouldn't have said anything about it in the beginning maybe they should have like figured maybe they should have did the investigation first and not made it like a public thing i mean i don't know I don't know. I, I uh, the the fact that they did though. Maybe you're right, but the fact that they did, I appreciate that a lot more than kind of the the chances of a fucking monumental coincidence. Like that is a huge coincidence. It's possible that coincidences uh, happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. I mean, this is the, the the way they put it. I thought was pretty good. It was like, listen, we did an investigation. Like, uh, out of hundreds of garages, eleven of them have these like pull down ropes, and only one of them was shaped like a fucking noose. Right. And like, like the the idea of like, what am I supposed to think? Is like that's valid. It, even if it turns out that they were wrong, I'm like, I get it. And I, I you know, again, of all the corporations who are going to be like, we stand against against racism. NASCAR has a lot to lose in banning the fucking Confederate flag. I say good on them for doing it. That's a win. Yeah, no, for and, sure. And, you know, but again, sometimes coincidences do happen. I mean, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's my feeling in general, Vince. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. But I'm libtard. You, you libtard adjacent. I libtard adjacent. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, all right. Well, I think we can put this one to bed now. Yeah, dude. We talked about fucking Iceland. Uh, we talked about Winona Ryder. Uh, and then we got deep on racism in America, which is our forte. Um, 
Thanks, everyone, uh, so much for listening. Patreon.com slash Frogcast and Frogcast at gmail.com for all of your questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Vince, what's the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, a good night and a good chance.